You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Yeah, healthy, alive, uh, ready to get all this nonsense over with, but uh, new normal, what right? Nonsense. What nonsense? What nonsense? You talk- you, this is 2020. There shouldn't be any nonsense going on. Do we have nonsense going on? What kind of nonsense are you referencing? You have to be more specific because the world's just topsy-turvy right now. That's so, true. Everything seems topsy-turvy. What, what is the nonsense specifically that you're speaking of? You have to tell people to be specific these days. Oh, well, I mean, I, really, I was referencing 2020 just altogether. I would love to go back to where we were talking about the DSA and how they were doing the virtue signaling with uh, uh, no gendered pronouns and sensory overload dude and, you know, all that all that fun stuff. I would I would love to go back to that being the talking point instead of uh, we're about to lose our republic. Civil wars on the horizon, riots in the street, the election fraud. Uh, it just. Yeah. So when you're talking about people that are are referencing like their their pronouns, I, I'm, I'm sorry, okay. you, you wanted to say Point of personal say privilege. Oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Please do not use gendered language to to address <sighs> everyone. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that exactly. No, exactly. I had that. To. That's I'm sorry. I wish I had we to. were. Yeah. I wish it was just that silly, if you will. But new normal. Right. This is the the great struggle, if you will. He's the Marxist. Uh, yeah, the great struggle. Speak. Well, I do have a spot of good news for you. That is a, a bit of a bit of comedy. I was talking to Marty today. He, he and I were talking on the phone and we're going to do room 101 tomorrow. So we're actually going to kick back and, and we're going to just we're going to try, try and stay apolitical. OK, so let me explain how this is going to work tomorrow. OK, for those who haven't uh, who haven't heard this yet tomorrow, we're I know we advertise as like no nonsense and all this stuff, but tomorrow we're going to do a little bit of comedy. And we're going to kind of unwind because as you're talking about, Bruce, all these things, right, we've got to we got to take a step back for a day and just relax and have some fun. So tomorrow we're going to do Room 101. It's a spinoff of a TV show that is like a game show. So what we're going to do, we're going to go around the room. It's going to be myself. I'm going to be the judge this time around because I won the last time. And whoever wins, we've all kind of made an agreement. Whoever wins will be the judge for the next time we do another Room 101. So how this works is we're going to go around the circle and we're going to have each one of you put forth things that annoy you. Okay, so it'll be a point that annoys you. Last time, I think I mentioned taxes, social media and cyclists, you know, and we have to justify to the judge why we think that should be put into room 101. And it's it's a spinoff of like the, uh, you know, the Orwellian thing, the George Orwell uh, thing. So we can kind of keep with the actual theme of discussing issues, but we can also at the same time have some fun with it. So we, we don't stray too far. So it was a good idea that, that Marty brought to us and we've kind of, you know, adapted it and uh, brought it under uh, what we're what we're doing here. And it, it's kind of fun to sit there and do that. But Bruce, I need you tomorrow. And I do, same as last time we can't. T- and it's completely organic. We don't tell each other what the topics are. 
We, we don't tell each other. So there's no planning. We just sit down and we do it so we can we can surprise each other and you, the listener, as well. So we don't know what the other person is going to say. But here's what I need you to do, Bruce, and because Marty brought this point to me today. So what you need to do is you need to create or you need to write down like uh, seven or eight things. OK, well, between five and eight things. We're going to do three each. Or we're going to try to. Uh, if if we don't get to all that, then then so be it. But we're going to try and do three each. Now, if we don't get to that point or it overlaps with something else, it's so you have a different point. So make sure that you you have those put together by tomorrow uh, when we start. It, the start time will be usual time. It'll be myself. It'll be you, Bruce. Obviously, it'll be Marty and it will be Mr. Bill Campbell. He'll be joining us again because he had a really good time with us last time. So uh, it'll be us. And the objective, again, is to convince me. It's not about how many points you get into the uh, uh, in, into the room, because ultimately only three are going to go in there out of all the topics we discuss. But the uh, the objective, since I'm the judge, the objective is, is to convince me. And ultimately, it, it comes down to, you know, whoever the judge is. Ultimately, it's my decision anyway. So but whoever's the most influential is the point because I've been I've been watching and reading up on uh, a lot of how those rules are played and whoever's the most influential and can impress me the most. And of course, Marty's already said that uh, he plans on winning tomorrow because uh, he seems to think that he's the most comedic and he's the most influential out of everybody. So make sure, Bruce, you get your topics put together. And Mr. Campbell, if you're listening, make sure you get your topics put together, too. So the gauntlet has been laid down by Mr. Foster. But today, uh, let's uh, that's just a little preview for tomorrow, tomorrow, because I've been looking forward to this one. I I worked really hard over the weekend to get all this stuff put together for what we're going to do. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, to sitting down and doing that tomorrow. But anyway, today, let's start with some COVID stuff. And specifically, I want to talk about New York. I want to talk about what's going on in New York City. The New York City Police Department has arrested the organized of the Orthodox Jewish protests against COVID-19 restrictions. So uh, let's look at this. Okay, so you're targeting a specific religious group in this case. You're going after a group, and and I don't largely even think that it's, it's based solely on their religion. I think there's more to it than that. And why do I say that? If you look at the Orthodox Jewish community, most notably in the areas of Brooklyn, where they're having all of these, <clears throat> I'm doing air quotes, surges, these are all Trump voters. These are all Trump supporters. Now, you do have a big element of the Orthodox Jewish community in New York that is very hard left wing. That's true. That's true. You do. And those people, they are the de Blasio supporting types to the end. But this is largely a message to Trump when it comes to this. Now, you can argue a little bit further on that because is it the same thing? Is it the same thing? Is it is it really about just charging a group of people or going after a group of people because they're resisting COVID lockdowns? No, no, it's not about that. I mean, wouldn't be the fact they're out there in the streets burning their masks, right? Quite frankly, I think that more people should do that because that's where that's where it needs to be. It needs to be out there in the streets. We need to be peacefully demonstrating that these type of actions will not be tolerated by we the people, by these despots that are in public offices. Resistance has to start in the streets from the grassroots peacefully, just as they are doing. You can go out in New York as a BLM protester, as Antifa. You can smash out bank windows. You can burn a business down. You can loot a Nike store. You can loot an Apple store and claim that, you know, you're just hungry. Yeah, you can do that. That's fine. That's fine. You can throw bricks at police like like de Blasio. Oh, yeah. Like de Blasio, the mayor, his daughter. She was arrested in the early days of the uh, the BLM and Antifa protests for throwing bricks at police. Of course, I'm sure all those charges were conveniently dropped, be my guess. But 
when you're going after a group of people solely based on the religion like this, especially the Orthodox Jewish community, th- this is reminiscent of another point in history that didn't happen very long ago. We, we think that this this type of incident happened a long time ago, and it didn't. It didn't. Now, my question is, is who is speaking up for the Jews in New York City? Who's speaking up for them? I know there's a few out there on the radio. I know there's a few. But why is this not a federal crime? Why, why is this not the, the, the mayor, the useless mayor of New York City being arrested for a federal crime? of discrimination. Why, why is this not happening? This is what you, you want to put. You want to give Bill Barr some legitimacy after this debacle with this uh, this Russia nonsense, this Russiagate nonsense, then bring charges against the useless mayor in New York City for targeting Orthodox Jews. We saw these actions taken in Europe during the Second World War and the points leading up to it. I mean, this is what we learn from history. This is how tyrants start their reign of terror from actions like this. What, because you support somebody? What does it matter? If if that person is as illegitimate as you say they are, well, then it shouldn't be any more than just a bunch of wound up crazies out in the streets, right? Especially if they're not out there smashing out businesses. Why is it okay for that to happen? Why is it okay for other religious organizations to go out and protest in the streets or celebrate in the streets? Either one, doesn't matter. Why is it okay for that to happen? But when the Orthodox Jewish community does it, oh, no, no, we can't have that. Do you understand how bad this looks? This is not America. This is not how we behave. We have a fundamental constitutional birthright as Americans to be able to worship whatever we choose. Doesn't matter if it's Muslim, doesn't matter if it's Jewish, doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, full-blown Christianity, evangelical, Buddhism, doesn't matter. It's your right to worship whatever. You can worship a tree or you don't have to worship anything at all. But when you start politically persecuting somebody, especially if they're an organizer of an Orthodox Jewish community. The New York City Police Department warrant squad has taken Harold Heshey Tischler into custody. He will be charged with inciting a riot, inciting a riot. You hear this? Inciting a riot. An unlawful imprisonment in connection with an assault of a journalist that took place on October 7th, 2020 in Brooklyn. Yet when you have groups like BLM and Antifa, they go out there, as I said, They'll smash businesses out. They'll burn them down. They'll loot them. They'll beat people up in the streets with impunity. They'll beat police officers in the streets with impunity. Nothing gets done about that. Any arrests that happen, most of the time, those charges get dropped. I was reading something today. The uh, It was out across the country, uh, but it was out in Seattle. The Seattle district attorney will be dropping all charges against anyone who's been charged with inciting a riot. New York City DAs, I- I'm sure they think and, and act the same way. Tischler, along with members of the Orthodox Jewish community in New York, has been uh, have been protesting Governor Andrew Cuomo's new measures, limiting gatherings in places of worship for areas identified as COVID-19 clusters. I'm curious, de Blasio, in the middle of the pandemic, yeah, uh, when things were spiking, we had uh, Ramadan. Now, for those that aren't aware, Ramadan is a, a like Muslim holy month, right? It's a big deal, right? That's where they fast um, and they can only eat in the evenings, yeah. yeah. De Blasio went about spending taxpayer money to go an extra, the extra mile, if you will, for the Muslim community during that time and uh, served over half a million meals during that time. Now, since he's targeting the Orthodox Jewish community, the Orthodox Jewish community has close to a dozen feasts, holidays, whatever you want to call them, in a year. How many times so far has he spent taxpayer dollars to, you know, just feed some uh, even even feeding homeless or something as a as a little you know well, towards the Jewish community or whatnot. He's, has he he's has he put, done any? He's putting the bums up in five star hotels now because yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah, but but 
but it's not specifically for and specifically addressing the Jewish community like he did Ramadan. My 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 point is is it, it it's a little bit um little bit askew there in that you're supporting one religious group who happens to believe the same way you do as far as ideology. There um nothing against the Muslim world and religion. It's a it's a government um it's a government run that that's essentially masking itself as a as a uh, religion more or less but the 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 way that the government functions is really akin to marxism like it, it's really similar to that and it fits de blasio's worldview so is it ironic that he supports that one over the jewish community or even the christian community you know jewish and christian share similar roots yeah instead he's locking down the christian community saying you can't go to worship same with the jewish community you can't go out and worship you can't go to the synagogues in fact you can't even peacefully protest which is their constitutional right might i might i add so yeah same amendment yeah same amendment same amendment it's not i mean it, it's not like well to be fair bruce i mean it's that amendment it's it's pretty far down there in the constitution i mean it's not yeah. like it's listed at the top or anything you know it's not like your right, right to right. it's not like that and freedom of speech and right to protest yeah. i mean you got to really read down into the us constitution to to find out what that yeah. right even is to be fair so i mean it's it's possible that they could have just overlooked it yeah it's also possible they didn't read the preamble as well that kind of <laughs> Yeah. So even before the First Amendment's listed, the preamble covers that. So now here's something interesting, right? Tischler, who was this the organizer of this, who was arrested. Okay. Now you tell me that there might be another little um, morsel to this story. Okay. Uh, And that is Tischler is running for a seat on the New York City Council. Has been highly and has been highly critical of coronavirus safety guidelines. Huh. It's almost like that one. You remember that instance? What was it? Moscow, Idaho? Is it Ohio? I don't know. Somewhere up there, north middle, somewhere in that area. Uh, but I remember the town was Moscow because I was like, oh, that's ironic. But anyway, the um, they had a protest, which was really a church service. They were out singing hymns outside, but they were doing it in protest to the lockdowns. And who was it that got arrested? Oh, yeah, that's right. One of the guys that was running for city council there. Yeah. Though some members of the Orthodox Jewish community have painted Cuomo's actions as anti-Semitic, the New York Jewish Agenda, a social justice organization focused on fighting anti-Semitism, has called for cooperation and compliance with COVID-19 safety guidelines. Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum has said, who is the group's co-founder, has said that asking all of us to wear masks, to observe social distancing and avoid large congregate gatherings is not an anti-Semitic act on the part of our city and our uh, and our country in an attempt to save lives. Hmm. You know, it was, you know, but it was anti-Semitic. These, these you know things, what? though, they restrict you. Like they restrict you. They yeah. take those rights away. This is uh, it, it follows along the lines of it's just like uh, the lockdowns. Go home. Stay in your home because they know psychologically, it's all psychological. They know psychologically that's where you feel safe. So once they get you in a position where you feel like you're safe, that's when they strip all your rights away. The the other thing that is a bit anti-Semitic was uh, when Cuomo pulled out the Torah and started trying to beat him over the head with the Torah saying, oh, you guys are willing to, uh, according to the Torah... You, you, you can violate some of your um, religious laws or rules because it would save a life, you know? So this is about saving lives. And no, Cuomo, none of these actions that you're talking about are saving lives. In fact, you're destroying more lives by doing the lockdowns and telling businesses to close down than you are helping. Not only are you destroying more 
But it, it has been found out that uh, I believe it was the UK talked about this. One of their health officials. Oh, look at that. It's more dangerous uh, to be locked up in your home all the time because COVID-19 uh, survives and excels inside of a, a climate controlled environment. Huh. It's almost like we, we, we were kind of saying that, that it thrives there. We should be outside. But instead, we still have officials saying we should lock down because COVID. N- n- no, up yours. So much so that Dr. David Nabarro, who is the WHO's special envoy to COVID-19, tells Andrew Neal, right, this is the uh, the interview out of uh, The Spectator. Uh, he says, we really do appeal to all world leaders. Stop, I'm quoting, stop using lockdowns as your primary control method. He went on to say that lockdown skeptics have been screaming for months that the main effect of these policies is to devastate economies, especially the poor. That's true. Look what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world. Look what's happening to poverty levels. They're skyrocketing. Even the World Bank came out today and said this these new round of lockdowns is going to push around 150 million new people into poverty. It seems, and I'm still quoting here, it seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may also have at least a doubling of child malnutrition. Well, isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? He says the only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to recognize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it at all. So stop with the lockdowns. There's a bit of a fractured in the WHO, though, uh, there was a headline today that was saying that uh, the WHO is also saying letting COVID spread with an eye on uh, herd immunity is unethical. So I, all the past years that we had flus, all the past years we've had other pandemics and whatnot, it was unethical for us to continue life as normal, as normal as possible during that time. It, that was unethical. Well, I think that's what they're saying. Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona uh, brings up the point because you talk there about masks and what uh, locking down you, you know, you go home. I mean, that that's what it does. It, it just, you know, everybody goes into their uh, their their residences or whatever, and it just bounces around in there. I mean, that, that's all this thing is designed to do. But Representative Andy Biggs talks about how m- the mask narrative, which didn't you say, OK, Amy Coney Barrett, right, the Supreme Court justice nominee. Those hearings started yesterday. What are we seeing today? What did we see yesterday? What are we seeing today? She's sitting up there wearing a mask. It's the most ridiculous thing. None of the people up there on that panel are wearing them. She has to sit there and do it like she is uh, like she's sitting down there muzzled. Right. It's it's insulting. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The people sitting there with her are wearing one as well. But as you said, the senators are not. And by the way, Amy Coney Barrett's already had COVID. She had it earlier this year. She has antibodies. She's effectively immune to this and can no longer spread it. So why the heck is she wearing a mask at this point? Well, uh, Andy Biggs has made reference to a CDC report, and the CDC report showed something very interesting. It showed that 85 percent, hear this, 85 percent of symptomatic people often or always wore masks. Doesn't stop it. Logic tells you that they don't work just on the face of it. The size of the virus itself is 0.1 microns, 0.1 microns. Mask at best are what, 0.2 to 0.5, depending on the rating, depending on what you have. I believe uh, N95 was 0.3. 0.3. Okay. And that's supposed to be like the be all end all, whatever. Mm -hmm. Listen, this thing 
came from now think about this okay this thing came from a laboratory that was behind two or three magnetically sealed doors with decon chambers and people were in there working on it with positive pressure moon suits what logical sense does it make to think that some piece of cloth is going to protect you from that doesn't no we should also point out that if you can hold up your cloth mask to a light and you can see the light through there um, that's in the range of about a hundred microns, roughly. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a math major, right? So you're gonna have to check me on this one. But I'm pretty sure 0. Yeah, 0.1 we need, microns. We need to call is Brian smaller, Williams. right? Right. I, I'm pretty sure 0. 0.1 microns is smaller than 100 microns. Just just going out on out on a limb there and and saying that it's 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 smaller. So I don't understand. By the way, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Amy Coney Barrett was sitting there, right? And she was pulling out all the stuff she was saying. And one of the senators was like, he said, uh, let's see here. Most of us have multiple notebooks and notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Senator John Cornyn said, can you hold up what you've been referencing to answer our questions? And she does this. She takes your, she takes your notebook. Wait, let me, let me, let me get the right page here. Yeah. Okay. And she just goes like this and shows it. And, and he goes, uh, he goes, what's, what's written on there? And she goes, uh, the header says United States of America. That's it. She has no notes in front of her. She's doing it all from her head. In other words, the woman is freaking intelligent. She knows her stuff and is burning the hell out of these guys on the Senate floor. These people and are they're, they're, they're complete bumbling fools up there. These people that are in Congress, most of them, not, not all of them, okay? We do have good people in Congress. We got good people in the Senate, okay? There's, but they are few and far between. They are few and far between. And we need people like that in there. But most of these idiots up there don't know what to say until their aide behind them passes a note to them. Do you think AOC's that intelligent? That woman could screw up a bartending order, okay? 4,000 people voted for her. And you're going to tell me that she's going to sit up there now. She's going to sit up there now and she's going to lecture the world on climate? And she was asking two years ago, do you want fries with that? To be fair, though, I'm not against having an average American up there, right? I'm not against having it. If you can... That's not what I'm saying. If you have a moral... Well... They're they're technically average Americans. My point is, I don't care about your your what you know more so as what's your foundation. What is your core? Like, are you going to stand with the Constitution and for the Constitution? Because if if your guidance, if your um, rule book, if you will, is the Constitution, and that's what you look to, anytime a situation comes up and you're like, okay, well, let's reference to the rule book. And go off of that. If you're willing to do that, I don't care what kind of information you you have lodged away in your in your uh, brain. There, I, I I don't really care. I, I don't care what the past rulings are of of the Supreme Court. I don't care. What does the Constitution say? And what is it? How does it reference to whatever bills being trying to pass or whatever argument they're coming up with, pulling out of their butt uh, with the next? You know, we should go Marxist or some BS. They're trying to push new tax code or new whatever. Unless it's smaller government and sticks with the Constitution. I mean, really, that's the foundation you need to be in, in there. The, the government is really set up to be pretty simple to run, right? Yeah, it, it helps to have the information and knowledge and everything. But God, I, I, I just and it's we have funny, a lot of you know, information. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Too. The New York City Police Department, because we were talking about the NYPD earlier, they're gearing up for more protests 
as the election gets nearer. And of course, they're also citing the uh, the Barrett confirmation hearings. If she gets confirmed, they're going to riot. Honestly, they should. They should be gearing up because <laughs> they should the be left has up. said they're going to. No, the yeah, left has go- said they're going to burn the place down yeah. if um, Trump gets reelected or if whatever, they're going to riot, which doesn't matter. They're going to riot if Biden gets reelected. They're, they're going to riot if Biden gets in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. The, these are these are radical revolutionaries and they're at endgame. They're at endgame. This is their endgame. This is their revolution. We've been saying that since the beginning of summer. Their revolution is here and they have nowhere else to go. This is it for them. So they have to do this. Uh, now, I know that that's um, that's like that's sounding like doom and gloom stuff. And I, I don't want to sit here and talk like that, but that's what we're facing. So burying your head in the sand, ignoring this, that's not going to make it go away, especially if you're in one of these cities. If you're still in one of these cities, I think you're crazy. Uh, I, I think it's time to pack up and leave. We kind of drifted there a little bit, but we were talking there about lockdowns for, for a little bit. We were talking about how the WHO has said that lockdowns don't work. Well, that was that was one doctor at the WHO that's, uh, you know, one of the COVID envoys. A second one now has come out. The WHO European director has said publicly, and this is this is as of today, just a few minutes ago, this is breaking. He says that governments should stop enforcing lockdowns. He says the impact of areas of physical and mental health are too damaging. Of course they are. You can't go to the gym. You can't work out, which, by the way, uh, Bruce, my gym has lifted some of their restrictions. They they had. Do you remember I, sh- I sent you that photo? They were locking like every other locker, which was the most ridiculous mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. They removed all that now. That's all gone. That's all taken out. So everything's back open again. But the regional it director. Be. It should be. The WHO's regional director for Europe, Hans Kluge, says that governments should stop enforcing lockdowns unless a last resort because the impact on other areas of health and mental well-being are more damaging. And that's true. Do you know, I talked to somebody today over in the UK, it wasn't wasn't Marty, it was somebody else, and they told me today that they're working from home until further notice. Of course, you know, the UK is going through some stuff. They're they're doing a three-step process over there now. Boris has come up with this this ridiculous uh, three-step process. We're going to go over that on Friday with Marty. So we're going to get Marty uh, back to back this week. So we're going to talk about we're going to get back into the serious stuff uh, on Friday. But um, he was telling me that he is he's having a kind of a a rough go of it because, I mean, you're stuck at home. You're you're stuck at home. That gets, you know, you're, you're stir crazy. We're not designed to be stuck at home like that. We're not designed to do that. We're designed to have breakup and variety and, and changes of scenery. The employers are actually telling people in the UK to walk around the block to change your scenery. Well, how is that if you if you walk outside? Let's say you're not allowed to walk outside. It's It's the most absurd thing. But yes, the impacts of mental health and physical health in this sense is large. I mean, what, you can't go work out. You, you can't go work out. Exercising and maintaining a healthy lifestyle is part of staying healthy to fight off infections and diseases. It reminds me of uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Do you remember what he said in the early days, Bruce? Bill de Blasio. When, when all the gyms were closed, oh, he, he could still go. It's fine. He could still go. Why? Well, he's in government. He has to make decisions. So he has to stay healthy. The gyms in, in San Francisco were not allowed to open. But yet the government gyms, the city workers gyms, oh, they could stay open. They were fine. They never closed. But you, you have a small business. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you can't stay open. You might kill somebody. The Atlas Gym in New Jersey. Do you remember that? Got in a fight with Governor Phil Murphy up there, that useless piece of trash that runs that that uh, that state up there. I feel sorry for the people of Jersey, right? They have to put up and, and more than that, have to look at the guy. You seen that guy? 
man. No, I haven't. But, I haven't. I haven't talked to Joe Tobin yet. So you haven't talked Cardinal to Cardinal Joe Tobin. Joe Tobin? Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, to Cardinal yeah. Joe Tobin. Right, yeah. So that's I don't good. have his opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's a good point. It's a good point. But what happened? The senator up there, the state senator up there, had to get involved. And he made the gym, the Atlas gym, his official campaign headquarters. So the government couldn't shut it down, had to stay open. I thought that was great. So that's one way to avoid lockdowns, I guess. But you can't open, you know, every single we don't have that many senators. So you can't. um, Unfortunately, you can't do that. But uh, to those guys, man, they were getting their teeth kicked in by uh, by the governor. That was that was awful. You know, they were getting fined. They actually had their they they actually went down and they boarded up, chained up their doors and and changed the locks on them. The state did. That, that's that's not America. That's not America. Unconstitutional. Can't do that. So uh, keeping with uh, these lockdowns, uh, talk uh, talking about uh, the uh, doc- Dr. Kluge here in uh, in Europe, he says no government should enforce another na- or national lockdown unless it's absolutely necessary and a last resort. He says the damage to other areas of health, mental health, uh, domestic violence, schools and cancer treatment is too great. See, that's the other thing. We're, we're all told, oh, well, this COVID, you know, this is hor- this horrible, deadly disease and everything. What about the, all the other treatments that you now cannot get because of this? Does anyone stop to think about that? As I said, we're people. We we need a change of scenery. We can't be locked in our houses. We, we just can't. You know, I, I know that that's inconvenient for you, you sick freaks that are in public offices, but you're not going to be able to keep the lid on this much longer. But we need the change. We, we need a dynamic lifestyle. Domestic violence is off the charts. Divorce rates are through the roof. You know, I was talking to Marty today for a little bit on the phone, and he said that he knows somebody that's a school teacher. One person. Schools just reopened, mind you, in the UK. One person. One. A single person in the school tested positive for Corona. The entire school is now shut down. What sense does that make? Bruce, did you tell me that you had similar situations when you were growing up as a kid? You go to school, someone would be out for a couple of days, then they come back. School never closed, did it? No. no? I mean, it, it, every everybody has that, right? You've, you've all experienced having a student or a friend or whatnot get sick. They don't show up for a few days and then Hell come man, back to school. Like, I was out. I was out for 10 days with the chicken pox. It was terrible. No. So, I mean, yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, not, I don't... not the chicken pox. I was out for that, too. But I remember I would think I was in the fourth grade for that. But I got the flu, the actual flu, not long after that. And it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I still remember that. That was awful. Uh, I think I was running a hundred and hundred and three point two fever for like a week. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. Mm. And I hope I never go through that again. Yeah, I don't. I I the only one I remember was having a stomach bug and that was when I was like 16 or 18 or somewhere in that range. And that one was horrible. So uh, they all, they also, um, you know, some of them also go on to say here that locking down will also uh, say it also resonates with numerous experts who have desperately tried to warn governments that lockdowns will end up killing more people than the virus itself, but have been largely ignored. Why have they been largely ignored? Because governments don't admit that they're wrong. That's why they've been ignored. A government who is teetering on the edge of illegitimacy in the first place that screwed up, that listened to the doom and gloom Neil Ferguson from the UK, the doomsdayer. They took it at face value. All governments locked their countries down. We did it for a couple of weeks. Okay, flatten the curve, right? Two weeks, flatten the curve. That's all we need. We're still waiting on that curve. How much flatter do you want that damn thing to get? Now, what are we hearing? Oh, cases, cases, surges. But see, now it's even less than the first time around, isn't it? It's not even hospitalizations. They're not even showing they're not showing you hospitalizations. They're saying that there's hospitalizations. But a lot of those are 
average hospital days. I mean, you think about it. The United States has at any given time less than a million beds available in the United States, in the entire country. And that's without a pandemic. So if there's a surge in the hospitals in the United States, we got a population. Now, don't get ahead of me on the math. We've got a population of 350 million, roughly. And if we have less than a million beds and there's a run on the health system, or the hospitals, that's going to overrun the health system, isn't it? Health system's going to collapse. But see, that's never happened. The deaths are not there. The surges in the hospitals that they're telling you on television are there are not there. If there was a surge on a hospital, if there was a run on a hospital, every news camera in the nation, whatever nation you're from, would be down there and they'd be showing it to you because they need the fear. And it's not there. It's not there. The UK is now being told by Boris Johnson that their NHS is going to collapse if they don't listen. Does anybody really believe that? Germany's Minister of Economic Cooperation and Development, Gerd Muller, recently warned that COVID-19 lockdowns will result in one of the biggest hunger and poverty crises in history. You lock down the first world, the third world dies. They've become so dependent on us, on our tourism, on our trade, because we haven't allowed them to develop and work their own systems in their countries, a lot of them because they're largely corrupt. We expect an additional 400,000 deaths from malaria and HIV this year on the African continent alone, he said, adding that a half a million more will die from tuberculosis. Cure is worse than the disease, isn't it? Which is exactly what we were supposed to avoid. But we have incompetent, overbloated governments that don't know what they're doing. Or worse yet, or worse yet, they do know exactly what they're doing. You know, we look at agendas put forth by the World Economic Forum. We look at agendas put forth by organizations like the United Nations. What do they have? We covered the economic recovery and reset, the Great Reset by the World Economic Forum. We covered that. Everything revolves and hinges around COVID-19. Same thing with Agenda 2030 that we did a three-part special on. Myself, Bruce, and Marty. Please go back and give that, give that a listen. Everything hinges upon what? What was a common theme for Agenda 2030? Everything was COVID-19. So I'm asking the question, are governments purposely doing it? Or are they doing it out of incompetence? It's one of the two. There's no middle ground here. Mueller's comments arrived months after a leaked study from inside the German Ministry of Interior revealed that the impact of the country's lockdown could end up killing more people than the coronavirus due to victims of other serious illnesses not receiving treatment. Another study found that lockdowns will conservatively destroy at least seven times more years of human life than they save. Professor Richard Sullivan also warned that there will be more excess cancer deaths in the UK than total coronavirus deaths due to people's access to screenings and treatment being restricted as a result of the lockdown. His comments were echoed by Peter Nielsen, a Swedish professor of internal medicine and epidemiology at Lund University, who said, it's so important to understand that the deaths of COVID-19 will be far less than the deaths caused by societal lockdown when the economy is ruined. This is where we enter the World Economic Forum and the agenda of societal change. Everything that goes on with the Great Reset is about destroying what we knew. We have to destroy the entire system to bring in a new one. Do you see how it works? The old system has to be phased out. The new system has to be brought in. We are being phased out of the equation. Microsoft has announced they will not open any more office buildings ever again. We're not even being consulted. Everything now is telecommute, work from home. You're now mobile employees, at least until they can figure out how to get rid of you. You see, massive unemployment is coming because automation is here. This is what we talk about a lot with a lot of our uh, digital dark age podcasts. We talk about tech stuff and futuristic things and, and all that stuff because that's where all of this goes. They have to figure out a way to scare us so we stand down and we don't mount a resistance against this new system that's going to phase us out. Essential, non-essential. Do you get it now? 
we're non-essential. We've been deemed non-essential by the elites. We don't matter any longer. We tried to stand up. We tried to to voice our opinion through the ballot box and say, no, thanks. We don't want your your world systems. We don't want your authoritarianism. We don't want your control. We don't want any of that stuff. Well, now we have it, don't we? We're being told we have to accept it. So while you were talking there, I was I was running some numbers. Um you know how they, uh, you mentioned there earlier, what, what triggered me on this trail was uh, we didn't want to overrun the hospitals, right? And what they'll tell you, what you see on the news media, or at least what they allude to on the news media, we have, we're closing in on 8 million cases, right? Now, they don't tell you how many people have recovered. Now, let's just say for the sake of argument that we have 8 million active cases. That means our hospitals should be overrun if only 20% of those require hospitalization, right? So 80% of them would be fine, whereas 20% would need hospitalization. We would have, uh, well, we would be over capacity, almost two times over, almost. So, I, you know, obviously I was trying to find the, uh, the, active, the actual active case numbers. And I, I think we're in the, in the vicinity of 50,000 active cases currently, roughly in the US. Then you figure that out with the whole, you know, um, 1 million hospital beds, so on and so forth. That equals out to about 7% of our hospitalization should be COVID-19 based on those statistics. However, hospitalizations for COVID-19 are 1% or lower in, in uh, the hospitals across the US. So if that makes 1%, that means one of two things. Far fewer people are infected or the fatality rate or or hospitalization rate of COVID-19 is far, far lower than what they're saying. So uh, again, why are, why are we shutting down the entire economy for something that is as fatal as the flu? 80% of the population that gets it is asymptomatic or has very minor symptoms. According to Professor Carol Sikora, an NHS consultant oncologist, this is out of the UK, by the way, said that there could be 50,000 excess deaths from cancer as a result of routine screenings being suspended due to lockdowns in the UK. Experts have also warned that there will be 1.4 million deaths globally from untreated tuberculosis infections due to lockdown. Is the cure worse than the disease? I would argue yes. So you, you said uh, they're estimating 1.4 million just from tuberculosis. Is that what you said? They're saying that it could be 1.4 million deaths because people would become infected with TB and they can't get treated. Yes. Uh, uh -huh. Okay. So, so keep that in mind. We're globally currently at 1 million, just shy of 1.1 million deaths. Okay. That's from COVID. Now also keep in mind that the U.S. has some of the most aggressive COVID-19 death tallying, if you will. So you die of anything in the U.S. and your COVID-19 death, basically, if you test positive for COVID-19. Doesn't matter what you died of. If you if you test positive for having COVID, then you're, you're a COVID death. So that, that number, you know, could be skewed by 250,000, roughly, or excuse me, 215,000. That's only, TB is only one, one disease. That's only one thing that you pointed out there. That one thing surpasses what we currently have. And we're also seeing an uptick in, we've talked about it before, um, suicide rates. We've seen an uptick in heart attacks or, or excuse me, heart attack deaths because they're not going to get treatment because they're afraid of COVID, um, which obviously probably isn't great. You know, being afraid of COVID probably isn't great for your blood pressure to begin with anyway, being in fear. Um, we're also seeing an uptick in cancer deaths. How many people have cancer that could have been saved 
from it, right? Or or gotten treatment and possibly lived. Whereas now, because of this, well, I mean, even even things like heart uh, heart surgery, right? That is technically an elective. So people were dying of, of heart disease or or you know blockages or whatnot. This is this is absurd that the government is playing with people's lives. They're just playing politics with people's lives. Where is the sane people in all of this? Where are the sane people that are like, hello, no more lockdowns? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're here talking us, about it. But we're called yeah. insane. Yeah, we're, we're the ones that are called insane. But where are the peaceful ones that are out there protesting like like the Orthodox Jews that we were talking about, like the uh, Second Amendment people that were out there earlier in the pandemic? Where are those protests saying we're not locking down again? Screw you and your masks. We're going back to work. Where are those people? So what? They come after your business. Run them off. Tell them, get out. You're not welcome here. They're going to do it anyway. It's they're, Yeah, they're going to shut you down anyway. So, un, unless we stand up and resist this, 2030 is only going to be, it's going to be here sooner than 2030 if we keep going down this road. Uh, and as you they said, will. more people are going to they starve will. in the third world. Yeah, they will take the acceleration of the timeline if they can get it. They, they will take that. 2030 is just a goal, right? It's just a goal. Just like 2020 was a goal. We are at that goal. We are at that that uh, that milestone, if you will. That's what 2020 is. We've moved on from climate change. We're now into to public health. That's the agenda shift. The same people that that conformed and, and doubled down and went, you know, wound up lunatic crazy over the climate change. They're using those same lemmings now. It's the same people. There, there, there's a problem here. See, we're both Americans. That's the problem. We're both Americans in this and we're both, see, America has it the worst in the world right now as far as COVID, right? They, they have the it? worst fatality Does rate. It? They have the worst infection rate. You know why it has the most infection rate? Well, I already listed why we have the worst death rate because everything, if you test positive for COVID, you're, you're a COVID death. It doesn't matter if you died in a car accident, doesn't matter. But half of our population has been tested. We've done 116 million tests. There's 330 million roughly, in the U.S. We've tested half the population. Now, it's not officially half the population. Obviously, some people have gotten multiple tests. Nonetheless, 116 million tests have been given. We're sur- we far surpass any other country in, in the amount of tests done. So yes, our numbers are higher. Yes, our fatality rates are higher. But when you, when you take out New York alone, we're no longer the, in the top 10. When you take out New York, we're at like 36 or 46th or something like that. We're, we're really low. And when you take out the uh, nursing home deaths, it goes even lower. So no, America isn't the worst. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. Now, in your opinion, in your humble opinion, do you think this is going to affect the presidential race? And the reason I say that is because Trump is trying to lead the country out of lockdowns. I mean, Trump, Trump doesn't want to lock down again. And Biden is talking about how he would he would do a national lockdown, a national mask mandate, all of it. So is, is this going to affect people at the polls is what I'm asking. In your opinion, is that what you think? Because honestly, I, I think that that could play a part. I, I think it could play a part because people don't want to go down all this uh, this this pseudoscience garbage uh, that's being promoted by uh, by the Biden camp uh, and all the, the cohorts that are coming out talking about all that. I mean, Biden has said Biden has said what? I mean, we, we, we know we know that lockdowns ruin industries, the industries that employ tens of millions of people, low income people at that. That's the economic side of it. But what about the rising suicide rate? What about the depression? What about the domestic violence? What about substance abuse? Oh, you couldn't go to church and you couldn't worship, but you could go get liquor. You could go get some marijuana. 
at the marijuana dispensaries, those were fine to stay open. Those were essential. Churches were not. Bruce, you know just as well as anybody how strong spiritual support is in times of crises. It's not that they want people to get better. They want you to be as miserable, as hopeless, as despaired as humanly possible, because that's who these people are at their core. So the question is, is does this play a role? Do these lockdowns play a role? Joe Biden is not looking at at going the route of pulling America out of this, even though that's what they're claiming. There's an easy way to pull out of this. It's get on with it. Joe Biden's moving towards the lockdowns. So do I think that this is going to be an issue, like the pandemic and everything and the, the Yes and no. Yes, in the sense of, uh, as you said, people are tired of it. They're done. As more information starts filtering out and people start realizing that, look at that. This is essentially the flu, right? It's more uh, virulent, but it's less less deadly than the flu. When people start realizing that and that information gets out there, people are going to be less afraid of it. uh, Typically, is their emotions if, if they if they allow their intellect to get into the way of the emotion, if you will. But I'm trying to find it. And all the ones that I'm seeing are a couple months old. But I was looking for the top issue polls, um, you know, as like exit polling and stuff, how they how they do the um, what the main issues were. The the pandemic, this was in August. OK, this one was out of a Pew Research. This was this was in August, though. So the beginning of beginning of August, I believe. Yeah. Late July, early August. So still pandemic was still a big concern, you know, end of July, beginning of August, we were we were kind of people's opinion of the uh, of the pandemic right now has declined. They're, they're less concerned about it now than they were then. So that aside, in August, beginning of August, uh, pandemic was fourth on the list of concerns. Uh, the three before that were economy, healthcare, and Supreme Court appointments. Now, uh, the one that I remember hearing about and reading about, which I'm having difficulty finding now, but coronavirus didn't even make it in the top five. Now, that's not that's not to say that people aren't concerned about it, right? Because the the top five here are uh, over fifty nine percent, right? But nonetheless, point is. People are becoming less concerned about that. And the other typical issues that were are always the thing, like economy, for example. And this is this is also kind of a, a barometer of, of how aware people are, because economy is number one. Economy, yes, I agree. That is a concern. But that's kind of the least of our concerns right now. Our republic should be the concern right now. Whether or not we retain our freedoms as a whole should be your concern right now. They're trying to completely overthrow our government. They just attempted a coup, a coup with this president. They tried to oust him using political mechanisms over a bunch of BS. So, oh, the walls uh, were closing in. His goose was cooked. The truth is there. It's, yeah. We got the smoking gun. It's coming. It's going to be. We're still waiting on it. We're still waiting yeah, on it. Still waiting on that smoking gun. And and yet here's the other thing that really this just irks me. Right. We have documents and documents and documents of illegal actions on these very same people that were accusing Trump and what's being done about them? Zilch. Zero. Nada. Nothing. In fact, the the investigation that Barr's supposed to be doing right now, supposedly doing right now over that whole debacle. Yeah, they're not going to announce anything about it until next year, which, by the way, if it just so happens that we have, you know, eh, let's just say 80 million mail-in ballots or, or you know, you know, somewhere in that in that range. Oh, hell, make it 100. Right make it 100. Why not? Yeah, let's just make it 100. Yeah, why not? If we just happen to have that many mail-in ballots and, and whatnot, do you really think 
You as the American people, do you really, no, no, not just the American people, the world, anybody, anybody listening, do you think that there won't be a large amount of fraud when we've already seen thousands of cases of fraud, probably millions by now, uh, because of the the uh, evidence that we've had. I haven't tallied it up, but each one of the ones we're we're, we're seeing are like 50,000, 40,000, 60,000. I mean, there's thousands of cases of fraud. Do you seriously think this election is going to be legitimate? And ballots destroyed, I might add, in, in those same numbers. And ballots destroyed, yeah. So- even even if Trump does still win, I, I I still question the election. I want Trump to win, but because of the nonsense they're pulling, I don't know what kind of fraud was going on. Mm-hmm. So and see that that's it, just it. They yeah. they want us to question it. That's they want they us want. to lose faith in the system. That that's what it all comes down to. But you know what I find interesting is you, you said a lot there. But one thing I, I wanted to key on there because we we started this conversation with on whether or not a lockdown is going to be taken into consideration or, you know, these uh, restrictions taken into consideration when people go to vote and people are already voting. Early voting's already started. So, I mean, it started a couple of weeks ago. But the thing that that shocked me the most, I mean, like I said, Biden, obviously he's going for another lockdown. He says, if if the scientists say so, then we'll do it. Meaning what, Joe? Meaning what? You you wouldn't actually take a stand for anything? You wouldn't actually make a decision? You just listen to a bunch of uh, paid political hacks. That's all you do. Well, like Fauci, like Gates, right? You, you just listen to people like them. He says national mask mandate. He would do another lockdown. But more than that, more than that, the Democrat Party as a whole, as a whole, forget Biden, right? The party as a whole, not one time have any of them, none of them. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a if it's a, a low, low down rep or, or whatever. None of them in the party have come out and acknowledged the economic, the social, and the medical cost of all this stuff. Not one of them has said anything. They haven't even acknowledged the damage that this has done. So I, I refuse to believe that that this is going to be ignored when people go to the polls. I think it's going to sway them, to be fair, in one way or another. I, th- I think it's going to sway them. I don't know. I, I hope you're right. I hope that is the case. The problem is, is if, just just for the sake of argument, let's say the polls are accurate. Now, I've Obviously, I've had issue with a lot of the polling. I've talked about it before. It all looks skewed and broken and their data's messed up and they're not. It's just methodology is terrible. But for the sake of the argument, let's say that the polling is accurate. Then the America that that we believe in, the America that stands for the Constitution, the Republic, it's already dead. It doesn't matter which president gets elected. If, if the polling is accurate, that's it. I mean, the Republic's done. It's already dead. It's, it's gone. Not accurate. It's not accurate. It can't be. But it, it can't Biden, be. Biden is polling today. Biden is polling. According to Drudge, Biden's polling at 91 percent. They said at this time that Clinton was polling at a 98 percent. And what happened? Yeah. You, yeah. you can't seriously tell me. You, you cannot seriously tell me that that when Joe goes to do an event and there's no one there. I mean, this is more than one occasion. It's not like this is just a one off. We talked yesterday about how he, he went to Phoenix wasn't a single person there. Bernie Sanders was speaking on behalf of Joe Biden to an empty parking lot. Joe Biden shows up to a high school to do a town hall, and there wasn't a single Biden supporter there when the caravan pulled in. It was all Trump people lined up on the side of the road. It's not there. The DNC, the Democratic National Convention, where Joe was nominated to become the presidential candidate for the party. If you were to look at the Zoom calls, because it was a virtual event, if you were to look at the Zoom calls at the end when they had everybody up there on screen, they were all clapping, they were all cheering. 
They had to double up people in the Zoom call. They couldn't even get enough people to fill out a Zoom call. There's no excitement there. There's no action that's being taken on their part to get people on board with that agenda. The riots didn't help. Do you know what I saw yesterday? Hear me on this one. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Left-wing stronghold in the U.S. Los Angeles. Rodeo Drive. There was a Trump parade. Did you hear what I just said? A Trump parade in Los Angeles on Rodeo Drive. And I'm not talking about a couple of people here. There were people waving Trump flags and American flags as far as the eye could see down Rodeo Drive in Los Angeles. People were out walking, chanting, cheering. Mainstream media should be on that, shouldn't they? Oh, look at all these people out here protesting and, and, uh, and, and not, not social distancing, not wearing masks. They can't show that kind of a Trump supporter in the middle of Los Angeles, especially that many. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. There's no excitement here. I don't see it. I, I don't see how those polls are accurate. I, I don't see that at all. I really don't. Based on, based on what we see. I mean, Biden is doing an event today. He's doing an event today. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I'm reading it today. He did an event yesterday. Uh, let me see if I got the audio here. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Biden is on stage giving a speech. From what I can tell, there's one person standing out there leaning up against the fence. The rest of the people behind him, it's an army of Trump supporters chanting four more years while he's on stage giving a speech to no one. And you're telling me this guy has a 91% chance of winning? Yeah. I, I, I don't believe yeah. this. He's going to get he's going to get 90 percent of the votes because it just so happens that all the mail in ballots that were forced. Oh, they just they just, just showed up. Right. The, look, they were, they look were at valid. This. Yeah. Look at this. Look, at look. we've got we've got 118 wheelers full of ballots and they're all D. Imagine that. And we these just yeah. happen to show up. I mean, the, these are from just, these yeah. are from two cities. We, we just have to count all these now. Uh, and, and clearly never, mind that's what the, it is. never mind the 18 wheelers that have all the shredded ballots in them. There's actual video of that, by the way. There's video of ballots that have the mailing address on there. You can t you see the name and everything that the ballot's supposed to go to and where it's supposed to head. And there's they're just strewn across the floor in the 18 wheeler. It's just been shredded. It's not a problem, right? People for, at a mail is safe. Oh, yes, yeah, fine. People, which, of course, you know, we're, we're a country of a popular vote, right? No, we've never been a country of a popular vote. Well, it's a never. democracy. Yeah, right. Biden out there giving a speech to one person leaning up against the fence. And by the way, that besides that person, the only other person I can see there was a cameraman. That was it. So you've got people chanting four more years. They're not chanting for four more years of Biden. Get anything else? The only thing that I know as far as the electorate that the internal polls are saying for uh, the internal pros on Trump's campaign. They're having a disconnect with the suburban mom demographic. And the main reason they're having an issue is they agree on all the policies. Like they agree with Donald Trump. The problem is they don't like him because of his personality. And if any of those suburban moms are listening that are not going to vote for Trump because personality, you do realize the republic is at stake right now. This isn't hyperbolic. I know this gets said every election. Every time both sides pull this out, but we literally have people calling for the destruction of America. Now, we literally have organizations that are saying we should take over the world and rule it under one government, under one currency in the 2030 agenda. We literally have these people on our doorstep right now trying to overthrow it and take us over. Um, so I don't know, maybe maybe she should just kind of 
suck it up. Vote for the guy that you don't like that has all the policies that are going to keep the republic intact at least for four years. What was it Mitch McConnell said about the uh, the first uh, COVID relief package? Gag and vote for it. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. We are going to have to go. So thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. For those of you who have not, you'd like to please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your likes, your echoes and your comments and your upvotes. You can follow me over there at Anderson three or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it via social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass along to friends, family and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. And we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass us along, we would appreciate that. We're on every platform out there, wherever you get your podcasts, with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening. Because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.